0: All right, welcome to Thursday's Roundtable with Pastor Wes. What's up? Pastor Matt. Hello. hello, hello. And myself, Pastor McGinty, or Pastor Daniel McGinty, whatever you want to call me, but we are here and we are ready to do this whole podcast thing today we're with looming ahead of us is graduation Sunday. Next Sunday is graduation Sunday for our church. We have high school seniors graduating, we have college students graduating. It's a big deal. Uh, But this podcast is not just for those who have graduates or those who are graduating, but for everyone who's ever maybe graduated or has questions about Christianity. In fact, we're gonna talk about some of our own graduation stories here in a second, maybe some funny things, some embarrassing stuff possibly, and also some interesting youth group stats about those who graduate and what they do afterwards. And then we're gonna dive into, there's a series of 10 questions that every believer needs to answer. Now we're gonna only tackle three today because they're really important and we don't wanna just kind of (laughs) brush them really quickly. Those three questions are, is there such thing as absolute truth? How can I know there is a God? Where did the universe come from? We will get to those three questions at this second half of today's podcast. All right. Matt, how you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah. Hey, Wes is good, too. Wes? Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> good. It's been a month since we've done a podcast. so It has been a little bit. You know, so we've it's we've it's been, been a f- fly-by-month, man. We've gotten older,
1: season. maybe a little wiser. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, nah, probably not. Easter's I was behind I curious. Us. She
2: said we got high school students graduating. We got college students graduating. Do we have grad students graduating?
0: Probably some. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know I finally got my master's last December. So, you know, good times there. Well yeah. And we
2: celebrated you as a church with I, not realizing you weren't in the room.
0: <laughs> I was teaching the new members class. Yeah. And that I, was a fail. I was so bummed I wasn't there for that. You know, it's <laughs> like, like that would have been kind of cool. Pastoral fell on my part. No, it's okay. Jesus loves you. It's all good. All right. Um, so let's talk about some graduation stories. And then we could do high school, we could do college, you could do seminary. Um, any any stories there, Pastor Wes, for you that were maybe humorous or something? You go, man, that was just like such a great moment. Yeah, I'm trying to think
2: back. I mean, I was high school class of 007, and I think every high school in the country uh, milked that for all it was worth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> praise the Lord, I was homeschooled, so I technically wasn't part of 07. But
0: hey, I was double uh, 00. There you go. Right on the yeah. right in the nose. Y2K man.
2: Y2K man. You the were loss. back there when I'm Blue Daba Daba Die was tearing up the radio. Waves. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and some other awful Man, pop songs.
2: I'm trying to yeah. think. Uh, you know, co- I think college graduation. What I the one of the things I remember is we had to all go in early and I walked down with two of my friends, and you have like this last minute. You, know, you go check in your name and in theory, right, you've already done a couple of weeks prior all your your like graduation registration stuff like okay, yeah, if you're good, you're good, you're good. Just pass all your finals, you're good, you know. And uh, we walked in and there was, we walked in, check her name. They tell us her seats. And then there's this other person you got to check in with before you walk down to the seats. And anyways, one of my friends got, uh, got pulled over and flagged and like literally like they could flag you and not let you walk that morning. Dude, and, uh, Luckily it was a misunderstanding over like a library thing. And so it was all fine. But I was like, oh my goodness, what a terrible you know, really pull somebody from graduation an hour before? Yeah,
0: yeah. that's pretty brutal. Just give them a blank so, graduation. How do you explain thing. that to your parents.
2: Yeah, like, all your yeah, all your family members <laughs> who show up and they cut uh, where's our where's Here's
0: our? the crazy thing. Like the, the the school I went to in Japan, Christian Academy in Japan, CAJ, awesome experience there, great teachers and whatnot. Um, but we had to as a senior in high school, we had to do what was called senior orals, where you'd spend a whole year researching a world issue, you know, famine, hunger, yeah, you know, it war, it, any issue you can think of, that this affects a lot of people. And you had to spend a whole year researching this, and then you'd spend an hour doing a presentation to a panel of teachers, you know, your principal yeah. or librarian, whatever. And if you didn't pass, you didn't graduate.
2: Whoa. Wow. So
0: you also had to present a biblical worldview on the issue, maybe a possible solution. And so it was a really big deal. And so they either would pass you or pass you with honors or fail. Now, we had like two people in my class, maybe three people that failed. And so on graduation oh. day, they just gave him, like, a blank diploma so they could participate in graduation, but they didn't want to, like,
1: call him out or so anything. So was there a chance Whoa. to go
0: back and redo it? I think so. I, I can't remember. It's been yeah, 22 the, years. The big thing you're
1: concerned about is, is it me or is it not
0: me? It's, <laughs> it's not bad. me. All yeah, right. Yeah, I'm no. graduating. Yeah. I did mine on human cloning, Interesting enough. It was fun. I got these yeah. uh, clips from Jurassic Park, which I know is about dinosaurs, but there was some fun illustrations yeah. there. Cool. But I so – Matt, do you have any embarrassing stories or interesting things? You know, about I was graduation? trying to
1: think about. Th- I, I really can't remember a whole lot. It's been so long ago because um, I'm old. We're not dating um, ourselves at all, are right? We? No, but <laughs> I I do remember um, that year uh, my my parents making the biggest deal about having senior graduation pictures, and mm-hmm. uh, and I just you know I was like I'm not doing that. You know, mom, I ain't doing it. Mom, you're always trying to get me to take pictures. I'm not. I don't need to do that. That's all all the money that that costs and. <laughs> Um, with, I finally caved on that. And then there was the announcements, uh, inviting people to it. I'm like, I'm not doing that. That's again, that's too much money. I kind of, I'm not, I wasn't really a rebel, but it's like, I didn't want to spend all that money. And, um, <laughs> so, you know, you had to order those announcements at the beginning of the year towards the end of the year. Um, I, so I hadn't made these things and my mom said, well, here's something that you might want to know that if you send out those announcements to people. And they'll actually give you gifts. You're like, for graduation you're done. <laughs> like graduation. <laughs> what? See, that was done. the same, like <laughs> I didn't know this. Like, why didn't you tell me this? And so um Did you get on it? Uh we yeah, we we, we didn't do the, the <clears throat> real deal. We kinda did a fake uh car that still had the information on there, but it's like so what uh so that, was the same
0: com- that was the same issue I had with invitations. I don't want to do all these invitations yeah. and then the host whom I was living with that is like, You understand it's like printing money, right? Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah. okay, I'll do this. My friends
1: started getting <laughs> stuff and I'm like, wait, I haven't got anything. Well, you didn't send out the announcement. So yeah. that's my mom told me that and Yeah. What uh oh, gosh. What, what the was that what was a
2: top movie the year
1: you graduated? Oh, let's see. Uh ninety high school graduation was ninety one oh okay uh, i
0: need to google this one i don't man that's I don't like remember. pre that's
1: a pre-jurassic park world right yeah. there yeah dude which is <laughs> that, what 92 yeah i mean that's been 31 years ago <laughs> i might need to research that
2: i don't know um yeah, i'm trying to think there's a i know a lot of 92 and 93 mm. and 94 movies i don't know 91
0: maybe beauty and the beast i think
1: no it was later yeah
0: it's later than you think it is i think a uh, little mermaid came out i think around then. little mermaid's earlier. 89 yeah I don't know where it came right maybe it was Aladdin. No, Aladdin's after Beauty and Lion the Beast. Lion King?
2: Lion King's 94.
0: Oh, okay. I don't know. We're getting to the Disney hole here. Yeah, we talked about a number one I'm movies, pretty sure it's
2: it? Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast Aladdin and then there's a year between a year off in between Aladdin and Lion King. But anyways, it that's only be. that's cuz I've taken the Sporkle Disney uh, animated films quiz quite a few times. <laughs> Good times. Good, Good times. times.
0: It's funny you said that about pictures cuz I remember we I didn't pay a bunch of money for graduation pictures. Well, I think we had some senior pictures and whatnot and it's so cheesy i have like the bleached blonde hair (laughs) in spike like total instinct look going on and i'm holding my bible and i've got another picture of me holding my tennis racket because i played tennis in high school but for like actual graduation day pictures i decided you know what i'm wearing a gown for the pictures i'm not gonna bother getting all dressed up yet it's really hot so i'm just gonna put a gown and i'm just like basic in shorts no shirt whatsoever and so all my pictures look like I'm just naked in my graduation gown. It is not like the pictures are just awful. It doesn't <laughs> look any good at all. We were
2: we were required in college. Um, you were required. There were certain requirements for what you had to wear under your gown. Oh yeah, like under your cap.
0: Well, for the gown. actual ceremony, I wore my fancy clothes. When I, for the pictures beforehand, oh, I was like gotcha. at yeah, home, yeah. like ah, just yeah. whatever. It's the only pictures we have. In my graduation gown beforehand. I'm like, dude, did you not want to put clothes on? Wes, did you wear shorts? You wear shorts yeah, under your robe? No. All right. No, I definitely had.
2: I'm wearing shorts Singles now, I know, but yeah. I know. yeah but no, I, I was in dress or. shoes and <laughs> slacks. No, you know what I think about graduation? I think every high school graduation was to me like it was so dumb to make a big deal about. It's like I'm supposed to graduate high school, like yeah, I, you know that and whatever. It's not about the achievement. Uh, I
0: think it's more about the milestone, you
1: know, yeah, especially for parents. But
2: I'm, but I'm inherently like you just got to understand what me is. I'm not like. I'm not a birthday party person for me. I'm not a cel- like I, I'm not anti for other people. Other people can enjoy that all day long. I'll even show up and help them enjoy it. but yeah. for me, I just it's not my thing, but what's funny about graduation is college graduation at first, I kind of had that attitude, and then when I actually got in there I went, okay, this is actually kind of a big deal. I worked my, I I worked hard for this. Man, you better believe by the time I got to seminary graduation, it was like, yes, and thank you. I have never worked harder for anything in my life. Yes. You yeah. know, like every subsequent graduation, it gets harder far and Far more meaningful right. in, in, in experiencing experience well, Especially
0: it, as too. you go to your seminary degree, you're probably working as you're doing it. Oh, yeah. I was working you
2: full know? time yeah. and so taking class full time.
0: It's it's kind so. of a beast. So, well, good times. we got a little graduation story. We're excited Daryl's for models. all of you graduates coming yes, up. Yes, we So
2: we're pumped for you guys. It's a good thing. Congratulations.
0: No doubt. So as we think about this milestone and what it means for them... A lot of kids, I say kids, you're, you're becoming adults or already adults. You're going to have to start making some big decisions about church in your near future. Now, Matt, you have got some statistics about youth group kids yeah. and sort of the the real challenges out there by the numbers uh, after they leave the youth group. So what yeah. you got for us?
1: Yeah, well, you know, this has been a, a stat that has kind of uh, haunted uh, youth pastors for a long time. Um the uh, the most recent stats. Uh, this is based on a recent Lifeway study, say that sixty six percent of students age eighteen through twenty two stop attending church regularly um, once the, once they get to that age. So they were involved in the church, and then once they got to college age, once they, once they graduated, um, they. They stopped going regularly. So when we do, when we say regularly, we're talking about at least twice a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so during those, and and they took at least a year off. Some came back, um, some of course didn't. But sixty six percent of uh, of students stopped attending for at least a year. And so, you know, we and, uh, and that hasn't really changed in twenty years. Apparently. Yeah, like, like it was seventy. The, the last study they did was back in uh, two thousand and seven is about 70% then. So I mean it's it's not yeah, it's like no difference. pretty much the same. So you know, there's there's lots of factors for that. I mean, there's um different reasons that that people students stop going. Um you know, moving to college, their life situation changes. Yeah. Um it could be that they have always they've seen the church or church members as hypocritical. Um it could be that they really didn't have a connection in the first place. Mm. You know, they were you know, they were involved in the church because their parents were, but it really wasn't and it really owned their it for church. Themselves. Um, they maybe disagreed with the church's doctrine um, or their, their stance on uh, political or social issues. And, um, and then work, you know, work responsibilities once they, they, they get real involved with work. And we, you know, this, this year's graduating class of our students, we actually have, um, I would say half of the students are going to college and the other half are, whether they're going into technical school uh, or they're going into uh, service, um, you know they're not doing the traditional uh, next college, which is great. I mean, that's that's fine. With uh, the way
0: college tuition is these days, it seems like yeah. <laughs> not going to college sometimes it adds up on
1: the. the spreadsheet a little bit better. Sure. I mean, Wes, you know you've you've been a college pastor. I mean, is that is that is does that seem pretty um, indicative of? What you experience yeah, with your college yeah,
2: students, you know, yeah, for sure. And I think I've I've seen it from the same shoes you're in as a youth pastor, and then and then from the flip side as a college pastor. And um, yeah, it's interesting. I read that same report from Lifeway, and just the idea that really the number one reason is they just they just don't go. Like it's yeah, not it's yeah. not necessarily. We're, we kind of build up in our minds that you know, oh man, this and a lot are. I'm not trying to minimize it. Yeah. Students are getting to college, they're being exposed to other ideas, and <clears throat> and they're, and they're leaving the faith and. I guess part of that maybe is a little overblown because the reality is with the social media world, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that once you did get exposed to at college is already exposed to it. yeah, it's already there. it's already it's already available for them to see. So they're probably already heading that direction before they ever even get there. They're just doing what they have to to um uh, you know, I, I guess I'll play the game temporarily till they get some freedom. but so it's interesting that really the number one reason is, and they just kind of stop going, and I, and I think that's very indicative of of yeah, of what I saw as a college pastor is it's just students are busy with their stuff.
1: Yeah,
2: and not and, just
0: school and work, but also figuring out who they are, extracurricular activities, having fun, meeting people. Yeah,
2: that's that's what I mean by their they're, stuff. It's that's not anyone one like some yep. of them are busy because they're diehards.
0: And they never had and, to find a church themselves before. This is a new thing, a new life skill. Finding a new church to belong to is something they've never had to do. Well, uh, and one of
2: the things we've done in church world that I, I think we've done it with the best of intentions, and I'm not saying that it's all wrong necessarily, but I, I don't think we fully thought it through is you you take a you take a child and we have a nursery, nurseries are good, mm-hmm. it's great for nurseries, but then then once upon a time that, that child hit kindergarten, got out of the nursery, and from that point we're we're in church with mom and dad. But now we do things like children's church. And we do children's church through elementary school. And then they hit that middle school, that point where extracurriculars are starting to be really dominating and – they're kind of angsty, don't necessarily want to go sit in church with all the old people. And and so mom and dad and them kind of come to this agreement. They're like, when we go to church, because like half the Sundays we're out playing tournaments and we're doing this, that and the other. When we go to church, we're going to go to church. You go to youth group. Yeah. And so they go to youth group. They do their stuff with their their friends and, and that kind of stays that way. And then they graduate college and all of a sudden they show up and everybody in churches with college students in college town is like, why aren't these students being more adults? Why aren't they coming in and plugging in you've been to churches?
0: taking them in the kids table. But the whole in fairness time. to
2: them, yeah, we've all only ever let them hang out with their own people. They don't. We, we as a church, completely exclude the ability to build multi generational. So, I, and I think about it, where I was at Central, for many high school students or high school graduates, new college freshmen, camp. Their, our campus was as big as their high school, sometimes bigger. Yeah, they pull in the parking lot. They're surrounded by people, and they don't see people that look like them. Their life stage. You know, so we would like the first month, we would do tons of stuff to just have college students outside and very noticeable shirt, just to say like, Hey, you're in the right spot. We want to help you feel comfortable. We want to That's help cool. you. Um, you know, just, yeah. So yes, I, I've, I, I've seen all those things firsthand and I think there's a variety of factors and, um, it, it's sad ultimately because college is going to make or break a lot of people Yeah, and yeah. begin to set the tone for the rest of their life, which translates into plugging into churches, young adults, married, single, and down down on the line.
1: I, I wonder too, um, because I, I know that especially like at A and uh, M close to where you used to work, that yeah. um did some did some students substitute things like breakaway for yeah. church. You yeah, know, like for sure. They so they you know they they go to that and they think, okay I'm not, I'm not going to get up on Sunday morning, but I went to breakaway. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think that, you know, and, and I, and just clear. I, I love breakaway, um, uh, Timothy was a director. He left, uh, just a few months after I came here. And, um, one of the things I appreciate so much about TA is he was so clear both to students and leaders that their heart at breakaway was to help someone take a next step. To plug in. and then get them into a church good. where they could good. take yeah. further. It was always very clear. We're not here to be your church. We're here to help you take a next step. For some of you, that's meeting Christ. Some of you, that's repenting of sins. Some of you, that's whatever that next step is. But here's all the churches. Here's how to, how to plug in and do. And so it's not mm-hmm. something that breakaway promotes, but there's a real breakaway effect of students' yeah. view. Because inherently, I think what we've also taught students is churches, go sing some songs uh, that you're like, hear a message, leave. We've not right. taught the, the other aspects of what you make know, a church truly. Really church serving, according to the New Testament, in, serving yeah, fellowship yeah, ministry, yeah. Um, and, and, and being under the accountability of a true family body with, with yeah. pastors and and. It's a very consumeristic
0: like approach to church. was like, I, I checked up, I got the stuff I wanted, yeah. and maybe even needed to some degree, but none of the accountability, none of the sort of the... Like you said, the service reaction, you're giving of yourself to it. It's, it's a yeah. more a receiving only and I And I think
2: component. there is a period when I first was going in as college pastor where I was probably a little more critical of like, man, students, come on, this and that. And I think as I got on the ground and I began to see stuff and realize, like on one hand, yeah, truth is available to all of us and none of us are without excuse as a believer. Mm-hmm. So come on, students, let's step up. On the flip side, though, I just began to realize and have a lot of grace Um, and realizing, man, we've kind of, we've taught you, like we've kind of, without realizing it, taught you to do what you're doing. Yeah, Yeah. there's an ownership And And so, and it's not going to be fixed by berating anybody. It's going to take effort and personal relationship. It's going to take, it's even going to take churches that are near college students to realize, man, you're going to have to go overboard in, in trying to reach out and help them plug in and help them. And I mean, you realize for some of these college students, when they when they would show up to our church and sit down at a table just like this with the table hosts, that that table host couple who might be anywhere from twenty eight to seventy eight, that might be the first not like first multi generational people that they're building a relationship that aren't a parent, mm. coach, teacher, or professor. Like as far as like we're making just a relationship between the two of us. Yeah, it's cool. That, that's like, that, that may be the first time in some of those, those students' lives. And, and, and a lot of times that's kind of, we, we don't do that well in church world. So I, you know, there's a lot of factors there and I have a lot of grace. I think it's something that we've got to, if you're, if you're in a college town and you've got access to college students, or even if you're in a part of a bigger town where you're near, you know, I think like a Metroplex area where you've got some colleges sprinkled in, you've got some junior colleges, man, just don't, don't give up, don't miss out, do the hard work and, and go after, um, Go after sure. those well I
1: want to share this this is good news because the bad news is the 66 percent but <laughs> the 34 um, percent let me just share this some of the reasons why they continue to stay church was a vital part of their relationship with God uh, mm. they they wanted the church's help in guiding their life decisions uh, maybe they're following the example of a parent yep. um, and uh, they uh, church has been a big part of their life like they've yeah. always gone and and it they genuinely believe that the church and being involved with the church has helped them to become uh, a better person, and they're they're committed to the the yeah. work and the purpose of the church. I think so, sometimes
0: they have to experience an absence before they realize just how valuable it is, and maybe they're may taking it for granted. And let me
2: Ooh. let me just put a plug in too that 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 thirty four percent. You know, I, I also I didn't just I wasn't just college pastor in a college town. I, I grew up in a college town. Yeah, and I am a living, breathing, walking testament to the impact of. That thirty four percent of college students, he said, we are we are here. We're going to be here regularly, and we're not just going to be here at church, but we're going to we're going to serve somewhere. We're going to take our gifts, and they worked in kids or like for our youth group. We had we called them zeal leaders, and they were college students who led small groups of us. And um, there are so many aspects of my spiritual growth, my relationship with the Lord, my spiritual foundation that absolutely, for sure, the, the overwhelming majority of that it was God using my parents. So I don't want to minimize. The, the role of parents but man there was absolutely a massive use of that God used I mean I can name off people David Mitchell and a, and a Matt Pinson and a Sean Holster and a Scott holster and a Scott John I, mean, I can name off all these uh, all these men and and even the ladies who were zeal leaders, the impact they had on me the impact they had if we put some of my friends up here from that time the impact they had on them and uh, man so if you are a college student who happens to be listening or one of a freshman about to graduate go find a a god-fearing Jesus glorifying, spirit filled, gospel preaching, biblically sound church and plug in.
0: Yeah. And it's helps to have like a buddy system. You know, a lot of you may be listening to this and go, you know, Well, I'm not a high school grad or whatever. And here's here's the deal. You can be praying for them. Absolutely. Because this is yeah. such a huge, huge transition and so much can go wrong within the first couple of days. Like finding it's I always liken it to it's like the first day of middle school lunch. It's that awkwardness of who do I sit <laughs> with? Where oh, do yeah. I go? Matt's laughing because I use this every time I talk to, <laughs> <laughs> I talk to the uh, the seniors who are graduating, and uh, it, but it's so true. It's like I want to connect somewhere, and it's awkward and it's weird. Man, find that social connection with like-minded yeah. believers, and yeah. do it within like days, or even do the research ahead of time. Like Matt had some awesome students that would do research on churches before they ever went to the area, so they would yeah. know which churches to hit up first, yeah. and visit, and then make a decision. Yeah. Like make a stinking plan and you know, get an A. And before we
2: transition here, I'll give you another, if you're a college soon to be graduate, you're going to face a similar transition than trying to plug in going, maybe you got to be at a really good church with a thriving college ministry. And you're about to now go into like the adult world where do I still call that person, Mr. or Mrs. Or do I just go by their first name <laughs> or, or what you're do I do? And I'm, I'm moving into so-so. to parts of the world where maybe there's not massive young adult groups or this or that I may mean, just encourage the same thing for you. Just like God, you can use you as a college man. God wants to use your, this season of being a young adult, whether Absolutely. you're single, married and, Amen and to that. Uh, man, go man, just plug in, plug in and, and, and push through the awkwardness. I think the most awkward years of life are middle school, the summer in between high school and college, your freshman year of college, and the first couple of years out of college as yeah, far as just transitions true. and trying to figure yeah. it out. And, well, you know, my uh, life motto, through.
0: it's only weird if you make it weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, hey, I do you, know people that say that, I, but I think some things are just objectively <laughs> weird. <laughs> you just got to push through man. <laughs> hey, I do want to make a shameless plug for uh, this book. We we give this out uh, to our graduates um, it's called welcome to college uh Christ's followers guide for the journey um, I don't know if you've seen this West I' haven't it is, seen that one it is a great resource so if you have um, maybe a, a a child or a grandchild that's graduating um, from high school going to college this is a great book it's it's big but uh each each chapter deals with different life issues and the Christian response to that and what you'll be encountering at college so cool uh Jonathan Morrow is the author awesome. I highly
0: recommend. Well, we're gonna wrap this up. This section, I actually took about twice as long on this, one. I thought we were gonna. Hey, to take. this is good stuff, <laughs> man. Maybe this is, this is the stuff. podcast. And we're no, done. I won't no. that, yeah. Um we're gonna transition in the next few seconds to our segment where we're gonna talk about questions that every believer has got to be able to answer. And we're talking about this, you know, primarily because we think about, man, if someone goes to college, and you're really gonna be faced with these questions. But we all have to have good answers for this. You talk to somebody in the workplace, you have a friend or neighbor who asks this question, you go, uh, 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 I don't know. You know, we've seen people posting things on Facebook, talking about deconstructing their faith because they never really, really had these questions satisfactorily answered for them. So we're going to start tackling them and uh, we're going to come back in five seconds. We'll see you in five seconds. And we are back to talk about questions that every believer needs to answer. Now, we have 10 of them, and they're pulled from this book called 10 Questions Every Question Must Answer. You must answer every question. So these are great questions. Now, here's the deal. These questions need some serious attention. Now, we may only get to, like, one or two of them today, but our hope is to get through all 10 because I think they're really, really good. Wes brought this book up, and I've been kind of reading through it some today, and he's read some of it. Um, But a lot of this stuff is things that we're kind of familiar with. But again, these apply to all of us. I think we all have to have satisfactory answers on this. So, Wes, what is the first question we're going to deal with today?
2: Yeah, so first question right off the bat is, is is there such a thing as absolute truth? And I I think it implies a second question, which is based on the, if there is, what is it? Like, (laughs) how can you know? What is truth? How can you know uh, uh, what it is? And so, um, man, do we not see all sorts of... uh, Interactions with this question on a day in and day
0: out basis. And How, if you walked, ran into someone on the street, and you said, "Hey, define truth for me," and they, you knew they did not come from a Christian worldview, what, Matt? What do you think they would get offer as a definition for truth?
1: Well, I, you know, I think they would base it on their feelings, based on what, uh, r- without really realizing that we're all kind of wired with that innate sense of right and wrong. Um, but absolute truth has to be true for. All people, all places, and all times. And um, you know, I think people people will be very quick to say, "Well, you know, there there isn't an absolute truth," but they expect you to adhere to their yeah. version of absolute truth. Like, wait, you but you're telling my truth, right? But you're telling me that there is no absolute truth. But you're saying this is this is your right, or this is what is expected. But you just said that there's. Not, no absolute truth and you're mad when I impose my view of truth and so and, it, and it's interesting the cycles
2: you know if, if you're if you're sitting listening at home there's um, beginning in the renaissance through through world war two is what we would, call, yeah, we would call yeah what we call the period <laughs> of modernity yeah and at the core of modernity was, was a certain level of belief that there is there is an, an objective, absolute truth that, that the world is very, in this way, scientific, and um, certain things are absolute, they can be known, they can be in the promise Everything of...
0: Everything can be explained rationally, yeah,
2: essentially. Yeah, and the promise of modernity is that as we know those things, we begin to understand them, control them, and we're going to to move towards a more productive, healthy, wealthy, wise, peaceful society, and ultimately, what we get? We got World War One and World War Two. we got the Bolshevik Resolution, we, we got in a period of 50 years more bloodshed than the world's ever seen. Mm. And so There was a reaction, especially in Europe, that then spread that we would call, and most people would probably be familiar with this term, I think, is the postmodern. Postmodernity, modernity post where, where all of a sudden there's a questioning of, you said things were rational, you said things were logical, you said things were absolute. Or
0: things would get better because we're rational, like humankind can fix yeah. all things through just thinking. And, and
2: instead we're looking at desecration and devastation, and actually what's true is only tr- you know, there's multiple truths, and it's, what's, it's, it's community. Based on the community you're in determines what's true, and some have said, as much as we talk post-modern, is that we're not actually in the post-modern world anymore. We're not at the point of saying that truth is subjective based on your community and your experience where actually some people have used the term post truth that we're at a point in society where it's it doesn't even matter if truth truth is objective or not i'm going to do what i'm going to do and own my truth yeah yeah like it's not even a matter of relativistic it's just who cares the this idea is, of what truth I mean is completely true.
0: gone it's, yeah. it's just been demolished i mean you think about it truth has to reflect reality Right. And that's one of the things we have listening to truth Here's five facts about truth. Truth exists. It can be known, corresponds to reality, can be expressed in words and is personally relevant. And I think our culture gets a personally relevant part, like because truth is so personal and, and how I feel about myself, how I see myself is all that really matters, you know? Um, and then sort of it's, I think gotten a little more mil- militaristic where, if I feel a certain way, it used to be, you believe that, I believe that, that's fine for you, that's fine for you. But now it's switched and gone to a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. This is how I think about myself. You have to affirm that. And if you don't affirm that, then you're doing something violent against me. You're doing something that makes me feel not good about myself. You're questioning reality. And so the irony is,
2: no, I don't believe in absolute truth, but you have to measure up to my absolute (laughs) truth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the irony no is we're sense. we're 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 advocating it because there is something. I mean, that's so many would say in the realm of morality. Well, it it's you know well, it is relative. It's well, you believe that's true because you come from that, and, and I believe this is true. And, and 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 but then the reality is, you see things, and regardless of your persuasion on the political spectrum and your desiring those things, even look at what's going on with Supreme Court stuff with. No, you won't do this, or you will do this, or in it, and we're all acting as if there's absolute truth. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're all saying there is something absolute here, and you violated it, and therefore the reason we're in uproar is because there's a definitive line in the sand because you can't get away from the fact. The reality is to advocate for anything less than absolute truth, you can't sustain it.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, here's the thing what's really cool not cool, not cool is that sort of I think your point was really interesting and that we're in a post truth kind of era because during the relativistic idea it was like, okay, you believe this, I believe that. And there's sort of this naivety, like, hey, we can kind of ignore the yeah. inconsistent things or things that sort of, well, if you believe that and I believe this, how do these both be true because they can't both coexist. Now it's transitioned to where instead of it being a sort of no one defines truth, now it's. I define truth, like totally and completely, and imposing it upon you. Or it's you could have co-authors or no authors. Now it's very hyper individualistic.
1: Yeah, and so not only can two opposing truths not coexist, but we can't coexist because you you believe that, and that is so against what I believe that I will. We have we have nothing in common. Yeah, why should I? not as Christians, of course, that's not what we're called to. But, um, but that's that's the way culture sees that. That we, if you're not going to affirm me based on the the truth that should should be true based on my, my feelings, you know that this feeling of love that seems to be the you know, this overarching feeling that- well, what makes me feel falls happy. Exactly. I
0: think a lot of people define truth on, like you said, feelings, but what brings me happiness? There's also a utilitarian element to it, like what works. Oh yeah. It yeah. achieves happiness for me, thus it must be true. And there's, you know, a lot of people also look at truth, well, if it's the it achieves the greatest good for the most people, the majority, then it must be true, which is utilitarianism. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, well, think I, about how and, dangerous that is. I mean, the Nazis essentially yeah. use that same logic. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, just to be clear for everybody listening, as it far results as, in
0: eugenics as well, yeah. which is
2: super scary. As far as the question, is there such an, is there such thing as absolute truth? The answer according to scripture is yes.
0: Yes. Period. <laughs> in case you were wondering.
2: And I mean, we, we think about, we think about even just a simple verse, like, like Christ in his, in his answer to the disciples in John 14, John 14, six, uh, I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, He's not just using poetic language. Jesus literally makes the claim that truth exists, and it's not that it exists somehow separate. Like, here's truth, and truth informs us about God and ourselves and the world. No, what Jesus just said is, I am God, I am truth. And I'm unchanging. And and I'm unchanging. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever, Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, We see clearly, so what does this mean is there is an unchanging absolute, objective, meaning that it's completely independent from any of us, Mm -hmm. truth, and the truth is not just a thing. He is a person. He is God. And
0: how vital is that? Because you think, how much does our world change? And how finite is our world as well? So in order for the truth to actually exist, you must have something or someone that is infinite. You must have someone or something that is unchanging. And we we see this play out.
2: So last night, if it, last night we, we began walking through and talking about the providence of God, and part of part of that is that God preserves and He upholds and He sustains creation. That's part of the providence of God, and part of you know it says that 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 uh, in Hebrews one that Jesus upholds all things by the word of His power. Well, quite literally, what does that look like? Well, that looks like things like the law of gravity and, and the laws of thermodynamics. I mean, the re- the very reasons we can get up and know certain things are for sure is because there is absolute truth expressed throughout the universe because the universe is the handiwork of god who is absolute truth and he is actively by the power of his word constantly upholding yeah and and doing that and and um you know, inside, not just running through the, you know, the classic line on there's no absolute truth is if you say there's no absolute truth, you just created absolute truth. Yeah, like it's You like the, just the created the bumper an absolute, sticker. right? So the, the whole, you know, the reality is the reason you and I can get up and know, you know, if I go, if I, if I eat sugar and grease all day, my cholesterol is going to go bad. Well, it's because there's absolutes that exist, vice yeah. versa. We the don't reason not operate
0: that way. Like we don't operate relativiz- you know, relativistically yeah. and we don't say, you know, well, if you believe that's true, then that's totally true. Like we don't, we don't think, well, or oper- science, we don't do math that way. We don't it that impossible. way. We don't shop that way. Science is impossible if there's not an absolute objective. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what's so mind blowing. It's like, okay, those, the same people say, we're the people of science, we're the people of science, but yet what I believe about myself flies in the face of science, but because I believe it, it's true. Yeah. Well, how is it that science can have absolutes and improvable things that are very empirical, but then all of a sudden there's this like weird divide and separation where these things are not and don't have to be like they can fly yeah. f- right in the face of reality. And I think the awesome thing about Christianity and about what the Bible teaches is that truth lines up with reality and who defines those things is God. God made reality. God defines morality because based on his character, it comes from a singular source. And the question is, well, if God didn't design truth, there is no absolute truth. Who decides what truth is? Right. Ultimately, yeah. who does, who decides do you get to do you does the government get to decide what truth is because I mean that's happening right now. I don't want to go down that road, but I mean that's ultimately if individuals don't get to or if there's gone too crazy and we have no like cultural foundation for where truth comes from, then someone has to decide what truth is and then that gets really scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, well, um, so th- in, answer, in answer to these things does
2: just to, just to be clear. So we summarize here. Does truth exist? Absolute truth does exist mm-hmm. because God is absolute truth. And so can absolute truth be known? Yes, mm-hmm. because God is a personal relational being who makes himself known and desires all people and to know And gave us him, his word. Which is why, yeah, it gave, of his, gave us his word, his written word. It's why Jesus says you will exactly. know the truth yeah. and the truth will set you free. Uh, truth corresponds to reality. So reality is not going to deny truth. Now, but the better maybe to play it is reality corresponds to truth in the sense that, uh, all that's created is lines up with what god says is true. Yeah. Uh, truth can be expressed in words. That's Bible, a good thing. Yeah. Um uh, and it's personally relevant meaning that it has Apple actual application into our lives. So so absolute truth does exist and it's a beautiful thing. And it's the reality is absolute truth is the standard we're all going to be held up to one day.
0: Yep. So All right, well that makes for a really good transition to the next question which is how can i know there is a god? You know, yeah. we kind of if there is truth, It has to be based on god well how can we know there is a god some of the objections that people bring is it's just silly to believe in god because one you're talking about an uncaused cause you say the you know the next question is about the where the universe come from we'll get to that but how can you say god did not have a cause that just seems like a silly idea i mean really what's the alternative to that idea though
2: yeah i mean at some point somewhere if you're going to go okay well let's say that god had a cause Okay, well, what caused that cause? Yeah, just, I mean, you're just going to go down an infinite road of seeking <laughs> yeah. to find an uncaused cause. And in fairness, we can't fathom because we are all uh, – uh, reality is a product of cause. Yeah. So all of reality is constrained by cause. There had to be a cause for it to happen. So in fairness to God, because God is, exists independent from reality, independent from we can't time. fathom his full reality. Yeah. And so it's not silly. It may be, hey, I don't like it because I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't control it and therefore do what I want with it. But it's not silly. It's not absurd on a logical level.
0: We just really, I think as human beings, we struggle with our own limitations. We don't realize how limited our perspective is and not, I think people who think this way are incredibly closed-minded because we think even just science itself, all the the, the models of different realities and dimensions out there there's a lot of them i mean they figure these out so god operates not bound by any of these things and a lot of things i talk about in a new members class trying to explain the trinity is we can't really explain it and we have to understand that god can be both and in our in our sort of three fourth dimensional thinking things have to be either or it can't be a chicken and a dinosaur although one might argue that the uh chickens descended from the dinosaurs some silly evolution stuff but my point is it can't be a, a plant and it can't be a rock at the same time but because god made everything it's not bound by time or space or matter like somehow he can be both and he can exist with no beginning and that that works as possible but that blows yeah. our limited minds no and,
2: and we and we can't fathom again too in that like we can only think in terms of a linear time scale, past, present, future. Exactly. God exists outside of time. We can't fathom that. And so, yeah, I mean, how can I know that there is a God? The ultimate real simple answer is how can I know that there is a God is I can start, uh, I mean, I think the, the way that Scripture would approach it is, one, I, I look out at creation mm-hmm. and I recognize that uh, – creation is glorious and, and, and creation reflects the mind of a designer so someone had to design it and this would take us to things like uh, the cosmological argument for God's existence where you've got cause and effect if, 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 if things began to exist there had to be a cause things began to exist so therefore there is a cause or things yeah. like the teleological argument which is looking at design and fine tuning and purpose and going we see design fine tuning yeah. purpose so someone had to design that it's you know the classic um, if I'm walking in the woods and I find a, a watch yeah the
0: broken watch uh right.
2: there had to be someone who, who who designed who put together this watch you have to to go there and so i think scripture you know, romans 1 talks about that and in, in if, if we were to look at with unbound by sin minds and look at creation that god has has written um his his divine power his divine nature his attributes into creation now the pro- yeah. our problem is we're broken by sin so we we look at that creation and we began to worship and twist the creation into gods and, and gods in our image yeah. that are bound by us and like us and broken like us and, and we miss the, the second aspect then of, of how can I know there is a God is I think there's there's a general revelation, but then praise the Lord, specific revelation, like yeah. and specific revelation in two ways. One we have his word can absolute truth be known yes can it be expressed in words yes and it has been so what you do is you begin to go through the truth claims of people who claim to be god and claim to be truth and do they line up are they matched up are they yeah. and what we find and what we believe is as christians is that clearly when you go through the biblical case and you go through the biblical story and the biblical theology the doctrine all of that that it all lines up and points unequivocally to yes yeah uh, well i can know there is a god like, and he's he's through there and then then there's a side dimension, and let's get to it. This the other aspect of special revelation is God came in the flesh. Yeah. And there is nearly no historian. There's a couple of historians, but even they aren't regarded well. Both sides of the aisle, two thousand years ago, a man named Jesus from Nazareth lived, and he had a wide following. People claimed he did all sorts of miraculous things. All of this is well attested in all sorts of documents. And when you go in and then, and ultimately saying, look, this guy claimed to be God. He said, "You'll know I'm God cuz I'm gonna die and I'm gonna rise again." And so let's look at the proofs for the resurrection and they're all they all the only way you can explain what's happened is with the resurrection. Yeah. So can can you're, we know you're still yeah some of
0: the questions here you're pulling through all of them here oh, sorry no it's okay good. it's it's good stuff uh, he's and he's the you pastor it? you can do that yeah that's true <laughs> just get me excited <laughs> uh this is like this is like your jam so you're just gonna kind of push through it the um one of the questions i was trying to think through too is so you kind of made a good point wes is that if you come to a conclusion there is a god well who what source would you go to, to understand who this god is well the bible gives the best Explanation it's and what the, the message coherent. reality, it's the most coherent, yeah. most trustworthy version of it, which is a whole other conversation in and of itself. So, Matt, let me ask you this: If a student comes to you and says, "Listen, you know what? Evil, it's a problem. If it exists and it's a problem, then how come a good and all-powerful God lets it exist?"
1: Yeah, because well, what would you tell them? Yeah, because a good and all-powerful God. Um, and we talked about the, the designer and the fact that he created, but there was what was the motive in creating? The motive in creating was. God, God loved us, you know, that God, God created this. Um, he has, he has a relationship with his people because he loves us. And part of love is having that choice, uh, to choose whether or not you are going to love, uh, whether you're going to love that person that loves you. Because if, if you're made to love that person, it's not love. Like love is a, is a choice and an action. And so, uh, God in his love for us created us we're made in his image. You know, we're the, we're the only part of his creation that he says was made in his image. You know, everything else was good. And I think you said this last night, Wes, that everything else that God created said is good, but with, with people it, it is very good. Yeah. And so God loves us enough to give us that choice to choose whether to love him. And, and so mankind in having the ability to choose right and wrong, um, we, we, so much of the time choose what's wrong. And we so, broke it. Yeah, we broke it. Uh yeah. we, we chose sin and and that has had a disastrous uh ripple effect where uh evil has come from the fact that we basically said we're gonna do it our way. Yeah. And um so how how familiar, right. how familiar are you all with Alvin plantinga i don't I've know never, that name. Um,
0: no, is no. he the the one who uh posited the ontological argument? Uh, He's done some work with it, but I don't know that he was the original. So
2: um, I got this opportunity in college in philosophy of religion class. Our our professor would do these little summits at his house. And and for this class, we had three grades, by the way. Talking about graduation college stuff, we had three grades. Most terrifying class I've ever been in. Uh, We had a midterm. We had a final and we had to write a reflection paper on this event at his house. Like that's the only three grades for the whole class. Like that's, that's all you're getting judged on. <laughs> no wiggle
0: room. <laughs> um, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> most, most,
2: my most frightening academic moment was Gosh. in that class with the midterm. And that's a whole different story. We won't go there today. That is a frightening proposition. A time. But the, the, the deal at his house was he invited, he had a relationship with Alvin Plantinga. Alvin Plantinga is a, a professor of philosophy at Notre Dame and, or was, and, um, uh, he, I mean, literally, I sat from me to mat on the floor from Alvin Plantinga for like an hour and a half and listened. And, and at the time, I didn't really. What, what our professor told us, he said, you need to understand Alvin Plantinga is like the Paul McCartney of Christian philosophy. Mm-hmm. And like I get, I get, I get it. But it wasn't until I got to seminary and I really started to understand the nature of academia and stuff. I went oh my gosh, I sat four feet from Alvin Plantinga and talked to yeah. him and
0: like, listen. This book talks about his argument, the untold's so, argument. part sure. of
2: what he does, what he was w- really key in is this question over, okay, how could a God who's all-loving, who's all-powerful and all-knowing, create a world where evil exists right because if he's all loving he would desire to not have evil if he's all powerful he has the power to keep evil if he's all knowing he knows how to design it without evil evil exists so either he's not any of this or he's not some of this or mm. and this was a, this was a big philosophical debate for hundreds of years and Plantinga is the one who basically f- pretty well ended that portion of the argument and some will still try to pick it up but basically what he says if basically is god is all good God is all knowing, he would know every possible way he could create. Yeah. If God is all is all powerful, then he has the ability to create any the best of all possible. He, he would know the best of all possible. He would have the power to create the best of all possible. If he's all loving, all good, he would have the desire to only create the best of all possible. So in creating the best of all possible, it creates a world in which us being in his image means we have a type of free will. We have a, a moral consequential type of free will where he gives us a choice. Mm-hmm. And that is if he's really the God who he says he is, it is logical. We have to accept the reality that this is the best of all possible ways to be created. And it involves if we're gonna be made in God's image, it involves a choice. I think both of y'all I think I think y'all ducked out last night when I said it, but I love how Tozer and I just I've forgotten how eloquently he put it, but A. W. Tozer wrote about the sovereignty of God and evil. That God and his sovereignty decreed that man would have free will to choose morally mm-hmm. and so when man goes about choosing his will choosing good or wrong he's fulfilling god's sovereignty uh, because god did not decree what he would choose but that he should choose and then he gets yeah. to the end and he says this and this was a great statement only a god who is sovereign that is a god who is all-powerful and in complete control only a god who is sovereign would give mankind a moral free will. Yeah. Because if he was anything less than sovereign, he would be too afraid because he wouldn't know for sure he could contain it. And it's a testament and, and save to God's it power. It's it. wow, good. And so I think with the deal of evil is the reality is evil does exist. But it's not in contradiction to God. It's it's an indictment that we as mankind hmm. saw God, walked with God, were in perfection. Yeah. Even, and at the, and, and at one little one little half lie,
0: half truth,
2: we were willing to blow it all for yeah. ourselves. Yeah, and we're still
0: willing to
1: do that. And we're still yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Not, not much yeah. has changed, right? And I think what's interesting about that argument is it comes from an assumption. Well, if God truly is this, then we have to think totally different. Like, this is the best version of creation. Whereas a lot of people who are against God said, this must be the worst version of creation. Like, couldn't there be a better version? Couldn't we, we ourselves fashion the universe and culture and world in our own image or make utopia? Could it not be better? And well, if God really is good, then it could not, there's no better outcome or version of this. Right, which is hard for us to really contemplate. Like God has a plan to make this right, even though we broke it. And even here's what's really fascinating. We think about evil, the choices we make, that what that really gets complicated is natural disasters. Oh yeah. So like my daughter last night was like, Daddy, because there were some tornado warnings or something last night, I think it was like two out of five or something. But like she's why can't God just make the tornadoes go away? Like if he's really good, like this is my nine year old asking this, why can't he just make them go away? I said, Sweetie, all the natural disasters in this world are a result of sin. You think before the flood, the atmosphere is significantly different. Tectonic yeah. plates didn't shift; nothing. It was it was still good. It was not fully broken yet. But after the flood, because of how wicked humankind was, everything got broken. Tectonic plates moved, so you get volcanoes, you get earthquakes, you get tidal issues, you get all the the atmosphere change, you get all tornadoes, hurricanes, all that mess because of the wickedness of mankind. And so, if God were to stop all those things what what would happen time for get, judgment it's time for judgment I say god will make things all right one day sweetie he'll make things perfect one day but this world is broken not at god's fault but because of mankind yeah. and god does miraculous things he does save people you know why won't he save us if we're trying i don't know maybe he will but god does things for his own glory god must seek what is for his own glory because he is perfection and if he seeks anything less than himself he's thinking seeking something Less than good, and it's in our best interest that God seek Himself, Mm -hmm. which seems like such a weird thing to think about it, but ultimately it's true. So, two things, just to be clear, because we we got to wrap here. Is one when we say
2: (laughs) when we say that. Uh, that the way the world is created, this is the best of all possible. What we do not mean in any way to imply is that God looks down on the current broken state of the world with sin and goes, this is good. It's not not good. What we mean to say is creating a a world in which image bearers of God have a kind of, of moral choice to choose right or to choose wrong, that that... Was good. Now it leads me to my second thing, which is this. That naturally leads into another question about the problem of evil. That is the true hard question, which is, and this is my own term, the experiential problem, which is which is what your daughter brought up last night. Which is the okay, but man, why do bad? Why do bad things happen? Why do we, why are we allowed to experience bad things? And and that's not. What we've tried to answer the question to today, we we really answer the question: How can I know there is a God? Well, you can know there is a God through seeing His witness in creation, through pursuing the specific truth about how to know Him personally, through His revelation both in Jesus Christ uh, and in in the written word. Um, in the written word, um, we've kind of moved moved over because of this uh, this question here, and by no means do we want to over um, gloss over something or make, make someone's pain sound like, ah, it's just not that big deal. God doesn't really get like, that's not where we're going. That's not what we're saying. So just want to make really clear on that. So that there's that loose end since we're not all looking at each other face to face (laughs) and, and in the moment, but, um, yeah, the coin
0: there well we got the two questions. out of three of our questions today we will save the where did the universe come from for a podcast in the near future Maybe we'll just stick with doing two hey of these that is time. a
2: that is a 600 batting average which is impossible in baseball so that's pretty good yeah not too bad
0: <laughs> all right hey matt why don't you close us out in prayer i'll be we'll happy to sing up
1: father we thank you so much that you are god and we are not and uh, lord we we would make a mess of it. Humankind would make a mess of this world. And and, and we're doing that, um, God, because we we choose to do our own thing and rebel against your truth. But God, remind us, Lord, that um, there is absolute truth. You are truth. And God, mm-hmm. we can know that truth by knowing you. And God, we look around us and we see the evidence. We see the evidence that uh, not only do you exist, but God, that you have created this world for your glory, but also um, out of love, and you love us, and uh, you love us enough to uh, correct us when we're wrong. You love us enough to show us when we need to change things. And so, Father, as uh, ambassadors of you, uh, as salt and light in this world, in, in an imperfect, broken world, God, would you help us? God, help us to to um, be the difference or help us to uh, give glory to you and give honor to you and be a testament to, um, to who you are. And, uh, father, I do want to lift up our graduating seniors as they prepare for this next step. God, I pray that you would, um, Lord, that you would protect them, God, that you would give them wisdom, that you would uh, bring people along that will lead them in the right way, and God, that they would listen to your voice and follow your voice, whether they're in college, whether they're in uh, vocational school, whether they're in the military, um, God, may they know that you are right there with them and that you have a plan and a purpose, and God, that you have truth that uh, they can live by and know. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen
2: got questions feel free to reach out contact us check our emails shoot us a message through the whatever app
0: you're listening to for sure and uh thank you for tuning in and please share this if you if this benefited you and encouraged you in some way share it on whatever platform you're using on social media help get the word out we do this to encourage and challenge you and um equip you to follow christ and uh, matt where, where's your favorite place to listen to this at
1: uh i listen to it either on youtube or on spotify but that's just me. Wait, you listen to
0: yourself on on that? You do that? That's so weird. It is weird. I'm you. <laughs> I listen to it too, so I want to make sure it sounds good and we do better next time as well. And I think you like the sound of your voice. You know, you know just call me out there. I just appreciate that. Hey, hey
1: we're going to wrap this thing up before we, we disagree.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll talk to you later. Bye.